church. I'm not sure whether that was an Australian accent that was reading that. It didn't sound like an American accent, so I'm assuming someone in Australia has recorded that. But it's Luke chapter 2, 8 to 20. And of course, we've just sung the carol, while shepherds watch their flocks by night. And that's what uh, our message about is about this morning. Now, I was taught when I as it was at Bible college, that when we're looking at an incident in one of the Gospels, we should ask who, why, and what. Who are the people in the story or the incident? Why are they there? And what can we learn from this particular incident? But I'm not going to talk about who, why, and what. I'm going to talk about when why and what. When did this particular incident occur? Not which year, but what time of year? Why were the people in the particular story? Why are the people, uh, the uh, angels and the shepherds? And finally, of course, what can we learn? Well, when it comes to when, what time of year this particular incident took place, there's one thing we can be absolutely sure about. It wasn't December 25. For a start, in Israel, at the end of December, it would be around about 6 degrees at night. It gets to about 12 or 13 during the day, but around about 6 degrees at night, I'm not sure how you would feel. We just sung the message or the carol that said, while shepherds watch their flocks by night, all seated on the ground. I'm not sure I'd want to be seated on the ground when it's six degrees outside. So one thing's for sure, it wasn't December 25. So when was it? Well, there's a couple of traditions, none of which are definitive, but there's a tradition that says John the Baptist was born at Passover. Now, if you know anything about the Jewish calendar, Passover is around about March and sometimes into April. And we're told by the uh, the Gospel writer Luke, we're told that um, Elizabeth was six months pregnant when Mary went and visited her. I think Bev uh, used that passage a couple of weeks ago. Well, six months after March, April is September, October. And to me, that is much more likely the time of year when this incident took place. maybe late September or early October. And the beauty of that particular date is that it coincides with a Jewish festival. Anyone know what that Jewish festival is? It's the, pe- the Feast, of pa- Feast of Tabernacles. The Jews still celebrate that particular feast today. They call it, Su- I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, Sukko, Sukkot, S-U-K-K-O-T. It's one of the three festivals (coughs) that the Jews had to visit Jerusalem. There was Passover, there was uh, Pentecost, and there was also the Feast of Tabernacles. So six months after Passover is the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's, as I said, the Jews were expected to go to Jerusalem during those three feasts. So it's, it's possible... It's possible that Joseph and Mary were already in Jerusalem at the time of 
late September, early October. And the Feast of Tabernacles, of course, commemorates the Jews living, or the Israelites living in tents during the 40 years of their wilderness journey. And it's interesting to look at a passage in John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that word dwelt, if you look up Strong's Concordance, says the following, to fix one's tabernacle, have one's tabernacle, abide or live in a tabernacle or tent, to dwell. Now, as I said, the Jews today still celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. They call it Sukkot. Sukkot. And in their backyard, sometimes they build a little tent or a shelter and they'll live in that for a few days to remember the 40 years that they travelled through the desert. Now, that word dwelt, as I said, carries with it the idea of dwelling in a tent. And some translations of John 1.14 says the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So I don't think it's too big a stretch to assume that this particular incident that we've read this morning occurred sometime in late September or early October, when the temperature will be much warmer and it's highly likely that the shepherds would have been guarding their sheep or minding their sheep at night. So that's when, if you like. Now we come to why. First of all, why shepherds? And it's a good question, because why would God choose the shepherds who were the lowest of the low in the Jewish hierarchy? They were often considered unclean. In fact, particularly by the Pharisees, they were considered ceremonially unclean and you wouldn't buy anything from a shepherd. They were chosen by God to be the first evangelists. But why? Well, this verse in um, James 2 says that God has not chosen those who are poor, but has not God, I should say, let me read it correctly, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him. So God chose, deliberately chose shepherds to be the first evangelists, the ones that the angels appeared to. As I said, they were the lowest of the low. You remember the, um, the Pharisees would sometimes accuse Jesus of cavorting and eating with tax collectors and sinners. Well, these shepherds would have been classified under the heading of sinners because, as I said, they were considered to be unclean. They didn't always adhere to the um, Sabbath rules and regulations if they had work to do, they just did it. And of course, they may not have used, uh, may not have done all the things that were required of them before they ate a meal, washing their hands and so on. So God despises the, the um, smugness and the prejudice and the pride of the people like the Pharisees and people like them at that time and chose deliberately to reveal this message to shepherds. And of course, it also foreshadowed the fact that Jesus was to be the good shepherd. He says in John, 1, John 10, I am the good shepherd. 
the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So God deliberately chose to send this message, first of all, to shepherds. But then secondly, why angels? Well, it says in, the, uh, in my version, it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. Now, some translations say great company. I've got the NIV here. Some translations say a multitude of angels. And I'm going to demonstrate exactly how many a multitude is. And I'm going to require a couple of children to come and help me. Are there any children who are going to volunteer to help me demonstrate to everyone here? Come on, you two boys. Oh, maybe one... Oh, Three, maybe three. I'm going to get you to show everyone here what a multitude of angels looks like. And in this box, we've got a multitude of angels. What I want you to do is to stand them up on this lovely blue Now, we can thank Isabel, guys, for this multitude of angels. Thank you, children. Now, of course, a multitude would be a lot more than that. The Greek word is plethos, plethos, from where we get our word plethora. And plethora in English means an abundance or an overabundance. Now, we're not told exactly how many angels appeared to these shepherds, but it would have been a big number. I would imagine it would be at least 10,000, maybe more. Now, as I said, we're going to, we, or as, uh, we're going to sing a song after I finish my message. It's called... Um, angels we have heard on high and the chorus goes something like Gloria in excelsis Deo which roughly translated means glory to God in the highest or it could read glory to God on high and that is exactly what the shepherds hear or what the angels here are saying. Suddenly a great company, the heavenly host, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. If you like, the Latin for that is Gloria in excelsis Deo, which we're going to sing after my message. Now God chose the angels to announce the birth of his son. Why? Well, if we think of how the uh, future king of England is announced, it's typically by someone in some sort of royal regalia and he reads from a script and that's how they announce the birth of a future king. But that wouldn't have been good enough for God when he announced the birth of his own son. It had to be a multitude of angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven. God come down in human flesh. And of course the father said, I'm going to make this an absolute wondrous announcement. I don't suppose anyone here would have been at that particular uh, incident. 
but we're going to look at another incident in a minute where we will be. So that's why the angels. Lastly, we come to what? What can we learn from this particular incident? Well, firstly, we learn that God longs to reach the marginal in our society. The shepherds, as I said, were the lowest of the low, considered to be ceremonially unclean. But God reaches out to those who are the insignificant in this world. Bev, a couple of weeks ago, was talking about Mary, an insignificant teenager, Joseph, an insignificant carpenter, and they came from an insignificant town. You remember Nathaniel said, what good thing can come out of Nazareth? I'm not sure why Nazareth was looked down upon like that, but Nazareth was considered to be an insignificant town. Everyone involved in the Christmas story, if you like, would be considered insignificant in those days, and particularly the shepherds. So we learn that God longs to reach out to the insignificant and the marginal in our society. But the second thing I want to ask is, what is remarkable about this particular incident? Well, it's remarkable because there's only two places in the New Testament where we have a multitude of angels. This occasion, but also this one. In Revelation 5, 11 and 12. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Some interesting things about this particular incident. I know it's future. But the thing about this particular incident, this particular uh, occasion is we will be there. It says, if you look at it, it says, and the living creatures and the elders were there. And the 24 elders, according to all the commentators, is the church. Believers who have been uh, raptured and are now in heaven and they will be spectators to this particular incident. How many angels? Well, it says 10,000 times 10,000. And if you do your math, anyone work out how many millions that is? A hundred million. A hundred million angels. There may not have been that many angels that appeared to the shepherds. But in this particular incident, which we will be spectators at, there's going to be a hundred million, possibly more, angels. And what will they be saying? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. The worship that the angels did on this occasion, the one that we've just read about, will be even more in a coming day. You notice that I've uh, highlighted the word loud voice. Why did the gospel, or why did the uh, writer John put in the word loud there? It's not because anyone there was hard of hearing. It's because when we come to worship Jesus, whether it's as a babe, when there were millions, a multitude of angels, or whether it's as the lamb that was slain, we do so because we're rejoicing. We're worshipping 
the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And now I want us to be spectators at something that comes from Handel's Messiah. It's those words that we just read, worthy is the lamb who was slain and they're sung by a choir. Let's see if I can get it to start. Louder. Louder.
us pray. Lord Jesus, when we think of the announcement by the angels at your birth, we realise, Lord, that they are worshipping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we know that in a coming day, we'll be spectators when we see hundreds of millions of angels singing those words, worthy is the lamb that was slain. This time of year, though, Lord, we remember the fact that you humbled yourself and came down from the glory into this world of sin and woe. And it humbles us, Lord, but it also causes us to worship you. If the angels would worship you, Lord, so would we. Worship the one who has humbled himself and came as a babe, but also went to the cross. We give thanks, Lord Jesus, in your name. And all the people said, Amen.